Hello, I'm glad you're here. I'm media disruption developer Kai Hubris, and this is EurekaCast, now where science meets technology meets you. With me, as always, is Professor Rowan Meadowlark from the Simon Amy Institute of Spirit Science. Hey there, Rowan. Hello, and salutations to all those pilgrims of scientific journey tuning in this evening. Yes, uh, we consider everybody that's listening, we can consider you, listener, a pilgrim on your scientific journey. And we hope to be a, a fulfilling stop for you uh, on your on your scientific journey. We hope uh, to be something of like a, a safe house for you as as you as you walk across the fields of science, uh, resting occasionally at different spots, collecting treasures that you may find with your party of, of several adventurers. And the sands of discovery are often sharp with uncomfortable truths so to be able to have shoes in that environment really is essential so yeah consider yourself lucky for having shoes in this sort of environment um but uh to start us off this evening i just want to say something that is sort of i've been working on a little bit rowan did you did you know the year 2020 it's, it's been talked about and down uh to a lot because of, of several unfortunate things that took place uh during that year um, yes, yes, quite a few unfortunate things, but some some very interesting things as well. Yeah, exactly. Uh, for example, uh, I don't know if you knew this, Ron, but 2020 was a very important year for my primary field of study, uh, new media. In, in what sense? Uh, because to my mind, by and large, uh, social media has remained... There hasn't been much shake-up in terms of uh, companies or anything, in my limited analysis, anyway. Right. I mean, I would disagree with you there. There are some things that you're probably missing out on. Um, but what I'm talking more about is uh, that during the year 2020, we had what we call sort of a a, a botvolution, sort of a, a botvolution, a new a new a revolution in the technologies of social media bots. In, in what sense? Um, because... Uh... As you are probably aware, there is usually a, quite a bit of negative connotation with regards to bots on social media. They're often seen as a either some sort of way in which to to advertise or scam individuals, or in even in more nefarious sort of uh, agenda pushing sort of aspects. Well, I would consider th- I consider this very surprising from you, Rowan. I, I know that you believe in the best in all people, and I would hope that your your good, uh, your good thoughts extend to our to our your robot uh, friends well, as well. well. Well, true, truthfully, I am merely stating what I have heard. I mm. do not use social media um, beyond the absolute minimum that I have to to spread the good news about Simon Amy and his sure. solutions for wellness on occasion. Sure, I mean, just like just like anybody else, just like any person, a bot. Some bots are are more have more nefarious purposes than others when it comes to social media, and, and that's just the lay of the land. But the reason that we had sort of a botvolution over the year 2020 is that, well, at Tech Brothers, over the past few years, we have been collecting uh, data on individuals' social media and new media presence, and in the year 2020 was the first time that we that we really did anything with it. We, we made the pushes um, that we hoped to uh, to really use that data in a very, in, in a very you know, progressive way. In, and in what way would that be? Um, well, as a little background, uh, so this is for the past few years, we've been inviting people to do uh, tests, uh, social media tests. We collect data on their social media and new media use, on their general internet searches and, and things like that. Um, they were, of course, fully compensated for all of this work, and they signed off on it um, before we even started. Um, but the reason we were collecting all this data was because we had the goal to recreate somebody's social media presence as a zombot after they decease and the first round of, of people we, we first effectively started to be able to do this with with a few rounds of of some of those people that we that we were uh, taking data from um in the year 2020 so just to back up for a moment um if i'm understanding this correctly you were um interpolating the personalities of these individuals um, that were to be to were to dis- become deceased at some point, right? And attempt to recreate that individual after they're dead. Is that? Is, am I understanding this correctly? Right. And you can't really recreate an, an individual just yet, to to a great extent, I should say, with modern technologies. Um, but when it comes to social media, it's considerably 
um, easier. So after that person was to decease, um, we'd leave a three-week grace period for families to mourn. And after that three weeks is up, we would start, we would basically create another social media account that was identical to the one that they had, or possibly in some cases still, still had. You know, people don't generally delete, you know, that quickly. Um, but we would recreate that and we would, uh, you know, post uh, messages, uh, message people, post, uh, uh, you know, um, updates and thoughts. In, in some cases, we were even able to post photographs and, and, and videos that were completely uh, algorithmically generated. Was there a clear indication to um, perhaps people that knew the recently deceased that this was a bot? Was that was that taken into account? Well, no. What we what we were trying to do was, was we were trying to track how people interacted with these with these nonbots. We it's you know we can't that that would be you know getting rid of the that would be unblinding our our tests, Rowan, and that's right. not really good for science. Right. So sort of a Turing test sort of approach to it. Right. Sort if, of. If if the loved one recognized that this was not their 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 deceased relative, then it would have failed the Turing test. Um, right. Or or for. You know, for example, if, you know, if that bot or, or this this new person, if, if that friend thought that this person had changed to a degree that they no longer wanted to be a part of, um, then that would be an important data point, too. Like, we want to recreate that person as they were in social media in their real life. Well, that is very fascinating and um, has some, certainly has some interesting applications. But I also I, 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 I'm getting I'm, I'm getting the hints that this did not necessarily work out in your um i i could see there being some uh some negative reactions to this right to i mean this. and this is very unfortunate in fact it is in some in some ways it's the people's the people that we were taking uh sort of uh, we, we were recreating the presence of it was sort of their fault for not giving us access to to certain data but but as it turns out some of the individuals that we had you know started these accounts for already what it turns out um, is that they weren't actually dead. Okay. We had to do a lot of – some people didn't want to necessarily freely give up their up-to-date medical records. Sometimes families didn't know that they needed to send us, you know, uh, you know what their doctor's statements were and a, things like that. A death certificate, that exactly. sort of thing. We, we didn't get a lot of that, so we had to, you know, um, extrapolate, uh, extrapolate uh, to some extent. We had to, to – um, you know, see how long we were able to, you know, determine how long somebody had sort of stayed in the hospital based on certain data, you know, based on posts and things like that. And we would also use, of course, activity. So if somebody was not active on all social media presences for a certain manner of time that we deemed as unusual, uh, we would just assume that they died. So we'd, you know, start this process up. As it turns out, some of these people came back and they were very agitated uh, th that they considered something of a doppelganger to be existing on their on their personal accounts. Well, I'm, I'm sure it was also uh, might have been upsetting for other members of this person's family, this person's friends, and who who presumably were now caught between two claimants right. to to be the the digital presence of their friend exactly. or loved one. And and like these family had to sit idly by as these two social media presences were arguing with each other over which one was the actual you know person they would you know post pictures of themselves the bots were very good at, at recreating new pictures of a specific person in in different you know um environments uh, so it looked like new pictures so so obviously these fights um would eventually lead nobody to you know, discovering which one was the actual person and which one was the bot right so what was I, once again? I'm getting so. What what was done about this? Is this still ongoing? Um, have have Tech Brothers stepped in to clear up any confusion for some of these cases? Well, I mean, it's it's not great. Um, when when it comes to uh, you know, how people, whether or not people like what's going on, it, it's not great. It's to some extent very, it's pretty controversial. I, I will I will say. Uh, you know, at least a little bit controversial, but I will say the Tech Brothers has stepped up and is collecting all of the data that is coming out of these uh, out of these uh, interactions, and those it it turns out are very helpful in, in making better bots that that are capable of doing a lot more as well. Well, that at least something good of this is coming, um, right? That's that's 
pleasant here. I wish Tech Brothers best of luck on this. This yep. uh, actually, you know, the, um, there there are other ways of sort of uh, imbuing a consciousness uh, in such a way that when the physical body is dead, the consciousness is able to continue um, going about its business and act much in the way that the deceased would. Sure, um, but not necessarily on social media. Not necessarily on social media. That that is um, something that uh, Simon Amy has personally been worked uh, working with involved right. with not on the social media front but more in a phylactery um you know imbuing imbuing an right. essence into an object sort of manner i did i mean i did hear um a, a paper that i believe came out of the simon amy institute of spirit science that did discuss the possibility of ghosts in discord though um it's it, it, it you know that was that was a uh, that was a passion project of one of our grad students. Sure. Uh, the findings were quite interesting. Mm -hmm. um, I believe they're still uh, trying to work on that, perhaps a little bit. Mm -hmm. um, but but saying all that, um, what, let's talk about our eureka moments this week. Uh, Rowan, what have you brought for us um, for your eureka moment? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so what I have for us this evening is a very interesting story about uh, the sun, mm -hmm. our sun, soul. And okay. specifically, I think that the the undertones to this story are more interesting than the story themselves, and we'll get into that. Really, but the story, but but, but the story is that the Swedish space program had given has given authorization to a team of Harvard geologists to float specialized balloons into the stratosphere to dim the sun, the amount of sun rays really? reaching the Earth. Yes, they this were is fascinating. There were. 14, I believe, of these balloons that were released out of the Arctic town of Kirin, perhaps pronouncing that wrong, and they are designed to spray a fine mist of calcium carbonate into the atmosphere to act as sort of a, a curtain uh, to, to bring, diminish the intensity of the rays coming through our atmosphere to the Earth. Really? This is, this is, this is truly fascinating. I mean, I don't want to, you know, I don't want to say that this is a, I mean, this sounds like an idea that, that definitely people have thought about before i'm thinking very much of the of the film of the feature film snow piercer um which was about a brave industrialist who saved people with a train from a this sort of plan gone awry yes it is a remarkably controversial um sort of move uh sure. it, it seems very disruptive um in in more ways than one perhaps mm -hmm. um so, but yeah. also you said this was what? What did you say they were launching into the atmosphere? Calcium carbonate chalk, essentially, really? or baking soda. Fascinating, and they think this will have a an effect on an effect on on blocking out the sun. Well, the the idea is this being a test is I think they wanted to bring something into the atmosphere that would exist just long enough to see if there was a measurable effect mm -hmm. on the surface of the Earth. And have, while still being able to sort of uh, disintegrate harmlessly right. when it the the uh, the orbit sort of um, degrades. Well, have they considered that perhaps this calcium carbonate may react in some way with, say, the acidity in uh, in sort of say the rain or the atmosphere and create sort of like a, a child's volcano science experiment in the sky? Well, that I'm sure that has been taken in consideration, and that honestly might even be part of the uh, attempt to make this as reversible as possible. Sure. Um, but essentially they are attempting to do this because there is hope that there will be enough of an effect on the rays reaching the Earth to justify further development of this technology. And I'm frankly, I'm a little torn on this because right. it's, it's clearly an attempt to combat climate change and the negative outcomes that occur from climate change. Right. And in one way, um, I really do not enjoy an attempt to uh, to alter the alter that the, our relationship with the sun. Um, sure. I would be. I'm very concerned whenever changes are made that 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 alter what Terra and Soul and the intimate dance that exists mm -hmm. between them. Well, so I mean, you could you could also say that the that anthropomorphic anthropomorphic climate change is sort of a disruption to that to that intimate dance well we'll we, let's get into that we'll talk about that a little bit afterwards okay. um, because on the other hand while i do not enjoy more meddling on the part of people right. i do see one positive out of this and that okay. is that it is a tacit admission 
that someone or some organization had already altered the sun, and they are attempting to correct it after the fact. You're you're saying that this this action is is it is itself an, an admission. This is proof that somebody has altered the sun in the past. Well, it's obviously it's not physical evidence, but it plays in very nicely to to your theories. To, to not just my theory. Um I am a member of the new sun movement. Right. We we question the present sun or the thing that is known widely as the sun now whether or not that is the same object or of the same composition as the sun in the last 70 to 50 to 70 years ago sure you're saying that it it might not be the the soul that you know and love it might not have been the soul that we evolved under sure it might not be the um soul that gave rise to life as we know it Mm -hmm. um but at the same time, it could be the same physical object. It could have just been altered in some way. Right. And we've discussed this at length. We right. have a whole special feature we've, about this. We've discussed this and, and how improbable it, it is. No, I, we discussed how strongly supported the theory is that sometimes 60 to 80 years ago, something happened to or replaced the sun. 60 to 80 years yes. ago. Yes. Now, let's bring it back to our discussion of how this technology is a tacit admission of the fact that the sun itself is the origin of climate change. If this was anthropogenic climate change, sure. in the sense that this was being ca- caused by carbon emissions and other right. pollution, there are such simpler methods of combating that than involving satellites and going into space well, and, and interacting with the sun in such a way. Uh, uh, Rowan, I would argue that there is, for every problem that exists— uh, known to man, I would argue that the, that any any solution that involves a satellite is going to necessarily be the simplest solution. Well, that is that is one way to look at it, but I would disagree. Mm-hmm. I think that if the problem was here on Earth, then we would have earthly solutions to it. But if the right. problem like is limiting... stellar, if the problem is occurring outside of the Earth then we would necessarily need to involve space and satellites to do so, and that is what they are attempting to do. Therefore, by process of elimination, climate change cannot be an earthly issue. So, so Rowan, what you are arguing, this, this thing, again, we've talked about this before in the show, but again, you are arguing that somebody between 60 and 80 years ago, somehow somebody or some government organization, some sort of conspiracy— Could be industry as well. Sure, it could be industry. They took the sun, they removed it, and they put in a new sun. Uh, that is one possible way in which it occurred. And somehow that has not that has not changed the planetary orbits or or anything else in any calculation. Well, way. as I said, it could very well be that the sun had something done to it to change the its its hue, for example, and it, right. the amount of, the output of energy that it would give off. And there is evidence for this, and but there's too much evidence to get into right now. I see. I would there's... I would encourage the listener to visit the um our our episode where we discuss new sun theory in depth. Mm-hmm. But without getting too far into it, if we visit go the new with sun theory blogs, it's if we, as I said earlier, if this were something created on Earth. If this was an earthly problem, then it would be cheaper and simpler and easier to handle it on Earth. I I strongly disagree with you. I think that any problem where you can solve it from space, it's it's there's less gravity up there. You can have robots do it. It's it's much easier to to solve a problem from sp- even Earth problems. I would suggest that most Earth problems we should attempt solutions from satellites. It just makes more sense to do it that way. Well, well, here here's the here's the thing. Here's the thing. Mm-hmm. All right, here's how we know something fishy is occurring. Okay, well, how how do we know that something fishy is occurring? Follow the money. Follow the money. Follow the money. Where do you think the money for this project came from? I I'm not quite sure where the money from this project came from. Did it did it come does it it comes from Harvard? Comes from no, it's it doesn't come from Harvard. It comes from an organization within a parent organization within a parent organization. Uh-huh. And if you track this all the way back, the one who is financing this is none other than Bill Gates. Let that sink in. 
All right, well, let's move on from that. Uh, my eureka moment this week, it's a very important piece of, of scientific discovery that, I, that I've, uh, I've, I've seen. Apparently, scientists in Germany have recently discovered that the universe geometry is similar to the geometry of, a, of something that we are actually very familiar with on Earth, uh, the geometry and the structure of a spider web. Well, what kind of spider, though? Obviously, the webs of a trapdoor spider and an orb weaver are very different. Well, well Rowan, I don't want to—again, this is a metaphor here. It's, you could say it's maybe a space spider web. Um, there's no actual threads. I don't want to confuse you or any of our, our, of our listeners out there. Um, but we, they realized the distributions of energies and tensions and how those energies and, and tensions sort of vibrate and propagate through the universe— are just very similar to how those would take place on a on a spider web. Now, I've often heard of a metaphor for gravity as used by, say, a bowling ball on a trampoline. Right. Does that tie in to in a similar manner, or is this separate from the sort of the gravity element to it? It, it is very similar. I, I would say there are slight there are slight differences. Uh, this was discovered by a team at Mueller University in Hildenburg, Germany, and it's based on mass topology analysis of the universe and, and computer simulations and things like that. So, I guess what what I the basic idea, and I'll try to break this down as simply as possible, cosmology can be kind of complicated sometimes. Um, but picture the universe as a spider web. Okay. So each thread is a space-time cone expanding as we get farther away from the center of the universe. Okay. At each so intersection... So it is like a funnel web spider. Sure. Um, at each intersection of the threads, there's a group of galaxies... And as the, as the universe is constantly stretching, as those galaxies are constantly getting farther away from each other on a cosmological sort of scale, what we see is, is it's very similar to the, to the web expanding. Well, that kind of is a mixed metaphor because oftentimes spider webs do not expand. Oftentimes they don't, but oftentimes they do. That's, um, not, that's not accurate. So the gravitational tension in these time cones... Um, is, is the thing that's sort of keeping the universe together, the tension in those threads, um, keeping the universe from snapping, like uh, if somebody was to walk through it. Um, and, and each hole is sort of considered to be a, a relative minima or a relative maxima of dark energy in the topology of the universe. It's all very interesting So stuff. is there an approximate thread count to the universe using this sort of new methodology? Yeah. Funnily enough, in the paper, they list the thread count as approximately 2 million light threads. We've also been able to determine that thread count is getting lower and lower as time goes on, as the spider web gets larger and larger. So it's sort of like inversely related to, to the entropy of, of the universe. You can sort of think of it like as the spider web gets larger, those threads, they get smaller and smaller. Well, so how does this tie in with string theory? I've, I'm, I'm not super familiar with what string theory actually is, but I have heard the words before. Right. It's actually adds a lot of credence to string theory. I'm, I'm glad you brought that up, Rowan. But, but string theory is sort of the, the idea of how vibrations create the things that we see in the real world, um, vibrations of very small, uh, very small strings. Uh, again, funnily enough, these vibrations, how vibrations propagate on the, the universe web are very similar to how they propagate in, in string theory. Um, and what is very exciting, exciting is that by analyzing these sort of vibrations, we've determined that there is not only a center of the universe, but there is a harmonic center of mass in the universe, too. I love harmonics. Harmonics are absolutely fascinating. Yes, absolutely wonderful. Um, but specifically, there are eight very energy-dense points in the universe that center on sort of this, this, this harmonic center of mass that is near the center of the universe. Um, I guess if we want to keep up this, this uh, spider analogy, it's sort of like there are eight legs of this spider that sort of surround this central body of the spider. Well, we're running very low on time, but uh, just to continue this metaphor, because this is actually quite fascinating mm -hmm. and lends a lot of credence, not just to spring, string theory, but some of the other theories we have with regards mm -hmm. to the astral bodies and, and harmonics, and, harmonics sure. and their organization with regard. Anyway, uh, are these eight nodes facing in a particular direction as if perhaps this spider was looking or moving in a certain way? Well, 
it does appear that the that the that these nodes, as you call them, are have changed direction over time. Again, on cosmological scales, but they seem to be constantly moving towards quasars, towards bodies that are con that are like, spewing energy in all directions. Um, and when they finally sort of reach those quasars on those cosmological scales, uh, those those quasars sort of run out of energy. It, it's quite fascinating. Really? Yes. Um, and it's also very interesting to think about how this uh, how this works out to the idea of the lifetime of the universe. As uh, Dr. Frederick Heller, who's the lead scientist on the team that was researching this, said, uh, it is the great, and this was translated from German, so it's, it's kind of rough, but uh, the great snapping when God walks through the spider web of the universe, I, I think is his direct quote for, for his theory of what will happen when the universe ends. It is interesting to imagine that mm -hmm. perhaps all we know, all we could know, all that exists is merely a dewy spider web in the great hall of the immortals and the entities, the all entities. Yeah. I find that quite comforting. Sure. Yeah, whatever. So that really was quite, quite, I, I dare say quite cool. Um, you, a truly, a true Eureka moment. So, uh, before we um, end the first part of the show, I have another mid-show affirmation as, from the Old Souls Almanac, as always. Um, this is a quote by Sammy Globones Frenelli, master light worker and notable paradigm shifter. Mm. Um, he says, You have a soft heart and a clean soul. That's why your feelings are so powerful. In your journey, stay close to those who cherish you and away from those who only wish to drain your energy. You are a rare gem forged in the magma of the universe, a focal point of grace, dignity, and clairvoyance. Something to re reflect on for all of my fellow introverts, old souls, right. empaths. Yeah, um, scientists. Who, uh, in their own way. Mm. Uh, with, that, uh, with that done, though, we will be back. Um, with our special feature after this short break. Please stay tuned. So, in the second half of this show, we will have Itoli Caruso on to talk about their scientific innovation that their company is working on. But we don't want to just hear from them. We want to hear from you, too. And that's why Eureka Cast Now is putting on the first, what we hope to be, annual Citizen Scientist Conference in early March. We are looking for your submissions, as you, the listener, to our Citizen Science Journal to be peer-reviewed live on air in early March and for consideration of entry into this scientific journal. We want all of your findings, the, the understanding that you have come to, the innovations and the breakthroughs that you have worked and on outside of the academy um, to come forward and let us analyze that. Right. We're going to have some of the best thinkers from Tech Brothers Laboratories, as well as the Simon Amy Institute of Spirit Science, on to peer review your work and decide which work should go in the journal. We've also realized that science, well, it's too long. Some of these papers, they're impossible for a citizen to actually read. If your submission is any more than four sentences, we don't want it. That's... It's unnecessary. The findings should stand for stand by themselves. Exactly. So if you have something to submit, if you have some science that you want to be published in a reputable journal, like the Journal of Citizen Science, then go to awcyfm.com slash EurekaCast and click on the Contact tab and fill out your form there. We will be going over these live on air during the Citizens Science Conference, and we will select and put them in a physical journal to be distributed to our wide array of leading thinkers, innovators, and spiritual gurus. Make a difference to the world of science. Make a citizen science difference. And remember, inspire curiosity. Imagine science. And we are back. We're back. Welcome, welcome back, everybody. And as I said in the first half, I'm super, super excited about what we have planned for the second half because this is the first time that we've gotten such, uh, such an in-person and in-depth uh, opportunity to talk with somebody about a new, uh, new product uh, and a startup, no less. And this is a, this is a product that Tech Brothers has done a lot of research in and on, and is very eager to learn 
how it works, what's going on, and, and really how they came up with such a such a great uh, a great device. As you know, Rowan, yes. uh, Tech Brothers has been in the in the wired wear business for a while now. Uh, it has been it has come up once or twice on yeah. the program, I believe, and in our conversations off the program. Yeah, I mean, are you are you wearing the uh, the heated leg uh, the heated leg coolers that we sent over? Um, no, uh, I I'm not really sure where those ended up. Um, uh, but no, I am not wearing them. Are you, are you wearing Are you wearing the the hat that uh the, the calm the calm me down hat that we uh, that we sent over as well? Um, as I said, you should I should I recommended that you wear. I wear it every time we stream because it, it really puts you in a position where you can uh you can you know make a good show. You, uh, uh, truthfully, I found the calm me hat. I found the the, the rotors the the rotors that were used for the massage were um a little a little much. Uh, had some of my hair get caught in in one of those that's that's just a setting you can turn down uh fair enough um but but yeah that's that's wired wear wired wear is is uh or wearables as we call them in the industry are 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 things that you can put on you can wear and they and they either do things for you or give you different capabilities i mean it's 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 one of the next uh generations in in the personal electronic uh, uh field but what we have today is something that is slightly different um, right now we have Itoli Caruso on the line. They're the corporate identity representative over at Watch Two, uh, and they're going to talk about how uh, how their company has created a tattoo that acts as an actually working watch. Are you on the line, Itoli? I am. Thank you for having me. Of course. Thank uh, you for coming on. Um, and and just very quickly, um, before we get into this, uh. Uh, this is being um, broadcast on certain varieties of radio, nonprofit radio. Yes. This is not an endorsement of the product. No. This is not a, a, a sales pitch. We are just – the technology is, is interesting. Yes. It's a very um, innovative uh, development, and we felt it would be very interesting to to hear about it. So, um, Itoli, please, uh, let's, let's hear more. Uh, watch 2, a tattooed watch. Um, talk about that. Yeah, so we here at Watch 2 are really excited that we finally finished development on our tattooed watch. Mm -hmm. uh, if you're anything like me, for example, I, I find sure I wearing am. a physical watch uh, gets in the way of my life a lot of the time. Sure. It smacks on doors. It gets in the way when I'm typing. Uh, it's just all around a nuisance. Plus, you have to take it off to charge it. And remember to put it back on. I mean, how many of us have forgotten to put our watch back on in the morning and then had to go the whole day without knowing what time it is? It's Ugh, a, it's exhausting. A, it's a constant reminder, too, of the moments that are passing you by. It's mm -hmm. sort of this sword of Damocles hanging over you constantly. Just there, there's just that click, click, click. The moments of your life, life wasting away. It's I, I would agree. Physical sure. watches are really quite quite a pain and, they're, and dreadful. Yeah, perhaps. they're they're heavy too. I mean, that's when Tech Brothers was was uh, was universal. Uh, uh, Sort of, sort of innovating the mask. What we wanted to do is we wanted to make it feel like you weren't wearing anything. But, but this is this is something where you've developed a product that you literally do not wear. It's part of your body in, in a way, and and it still does the very same things that a that a that a piece of personal electronics uh, can do. Exactly, it is truly revolutionary to mm -hmm. the entire industry. Um, we actually, our process is even simpler than getting a normal tattoo. Really? Uh, yeah. It still requires some needles, but they don't mm -hmm. hurt anywhere near as much. And it doesn't take anywhere near as long to get it because we use a proprietary process that puts all of the ink in at once. So you don't have to really? sit there and wait for hours as everything is etched into you very carefully right so so you do use so you do use an ink though this is uh this is this is an ink that you're putting into the to the to the dermis of the of the skin yes and it is perfectly safe we have used alchemy to combine tattoo ink and electronic ink with blood you so so you used you, i'm sorry did you say you used alchemy yes fascinating well it's so wonderful to hear that too because alchemy is often maligned as a 
um, as a dark art, perhaps, um, right. and an ignorant art at that. But there's so much that can be learned from that tradition, absolutely. There's uh, certainly a lot of history that goes into it. Right, yeah. Before we get I, I perhaps too far into the uh, the actual procedure itself and, and the technology itself, uh, what what was the inspiration? What was like the um, – the where did this process get developed, if you don't mind me asking? Mm-hmm. Well, uh, here in our Wicker Park office, we were – you know, I was brought on the team kind of late, so I'm not sure where – the initial inspiration came from, but right. we've been talking a lot about making it so the human body functions more like a machine that you can rely on than the fallible piece of meat that it really is considered today. So rather so that's, than... that's our overall aim is to make bodies more functional. Right. I mean, that, that, that is, that is excellent. I mean, if, if you do not need to buy an additional uh, piece of piece of uh, uh, electronics. If, if you can somehow, this is again something that Tech Brothers is looking uh, very uh, very much into. But if you don't have to buy a piece of electronics, if you can just have that piece of electronics at all times, and it's almost like it's not there until you need it. I mean, that's I mean that's the ultimate goal of of all uh, of all electronics, frankly. Um, Truly. So, so, so you came on this team. What was your what is your role in the development process? Are you are you in the are you in the development? Are you in the research? Are you are you in the 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 communication? There are so many different parts in in this sort of in the startup game, as it were. You are, um, as we said uh, earlier, you are a uh, corporate identity representative. What does your job entail when it comes to uh, the development and uh, the running of this of this startup? So I'm not quite as involved in the development Mm -hmm. of the product, but in my role, I mean, I have my own uh, tattooed watch, uh, my own watch too, and I I enjoy it quite a bit. But more on the job side of things, uh, I go around and I introduce people to watch too and help them understand how much it can benefit them. Uh, Yeah, excellent. How How has it benefited you personally? Uh, personally in your life, Atoli? I mean, it really is just truly incredible to not have the weight of a watch on your wrist and to not have to worry about charging it every day or anything else like that. There's Mm -hmm. no battery that has to get replaced. I never have to go without my watch because it's stuck at the jewelers uh, getting getting the battery replaced or any other issues like getting that waxed or perhaps you know a cleaning as many of these watches need right there are some circulatory problems that we found with uh with normal wearable watches especially ones that do come with a number of uh, features the more features you have usually the heavier the watch that you, that you really uh or you expect to have and then again cutting off circulation disrupting the body flows disrupting your movement it, it, like it all they're all small things, but they all have a real effect. That is that is the um, how health works exactly. <laughs> a number of small things add up into a uh, an unhealthy uh, ethos, an unhealthy situation in the body. But that's I'm, I'm yeah. I, apologies on that. So you were speaking about the the um, the use of alchemy to combine tattoo ink, electronic ink, um, and and put that into a tattoo. Was there more about that? Please speak more about the actual uh, um, service that, that, that you provide? Unfortunately, our alch- alchemical process is proprietary, mm. so I can't really give you more mm. information than I already have. Right. Um, I, I do have, so I like how you said um, how you said that you used electronic ink. Now, in, in our experiments with electronic ink, I mean, one of the benefits to, to electronic ink is that it has less strain on the eyes, it's more relaxing to look at. Uh, do, you, do you find that I mean, I would imagine that by staring at a watch every single day, by looking down and, and seeing the screen of a watch, uh, you're going you're gonna to experience some eye strain throughout the, throughout the entire day. Uh, do you find that the, electronic, that, that the, that the features of this um, specific uh, watch, too, uh, does help with, with you know, typical eye strain, and, and does it like, look good to look at? Have you done the tests to determine uh, whether, you know, how, how looking at this affects the human body. Absolutely. We have not found any evidence of eye strain from looking at Watch 2. None um, whatsoever. None whatsoever. It is wow. the same as reading anything normally. It's the same of re- uh, as reading a typical, as reading a chapter, 
as reading the words breathe tattooed on your arm with reg with a regular exactly. tattoo ink. Wow. And we all know how calming that can be. Surely. Well, so you mentioned it was totally safe. Um, but I, I, I do want to throw a hypothetical at you because I have a very vested interest in um, health and wellness. Um, mm-hmm. as, as do we, as Tech Brothers. Uh, well, Absolutely. perhaps in a different manner. Um, but let me, let me throw a hypothetical at you. Um, as we all know, um, lightning strikes do happen on occasion. And, and with sure. this electronic ink, um, you know, with a per- perhaps a regular watch, one could imagine hmm. the lightning hitting the regular watch and sort of being localized to the wrist. But now that you're introducing this this conductor into the flesh, um, won't that conduct electricity well, into well, it? I, I mean, I also have an addendum to that, be- but because if you touch really any any electronic device, it's it's very possible that if you're poorly grounded or or perhaps you're too grounded, uh, you are going to experience a little bit of electric shock, a little bit of charge buildup. Um, do you find that that that, that changes uh, how the, how the watch works, or you know something no, like that? We are quite fortunate. Uh, the watch too does not actually impact the overall conductivity of a human body. Mm. Uh, in fact, the watch too is able to convert any excess uh, energy that it receives, such as from a lightning strike, or in case you touch uh, a circuit that is still live. Mm-hmm. Uh, it takes that excess energy and stores it as power for the watch. Wow. So, so let's let's imagine that somebody that is an electrician is perhaps on a on a metal metal ladder and doing some work on a live on a live circuit. Now, how 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 good is this at, at storing electricity? If if you if you touch maybe you know four thousand volts going through a power a power line, uh, will will this tattoo save that person? And keep them from being uh, 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 from that electricity uh, uh, entering their body. Quite possibly, we haven't been able to run tests with that much voltage mm-hmm. uh, due to the inherent risk uh, posed to anybody. Because mm-hmm. without the watch, too, that would absolutely uh, cause problems, including potential fatalities. However, uh, that impacts our ability to run a fully accurate testing. Uh, even though we believe the watch two would help save lives, and it very well could, uh, we aren't able to run the adequate tests because we can't ethically have a control test to compare against mm. because unfortunate of the truly unfortunate risks to human life. Mm-hmm. Government overreach, as always. Um, yes. uh, so we've um, we want to keep this moving. How would one? Um, acquire one of these um, watch twos. You mentioned that the procedure itself is sort of a one and done, um, maybe a stamp, perhaps a needle based stamp. I'm not sure the implication of that, but walk us through how one would acquire the, uh, the watch two. Sure. You just need to go to the watch two website and uh, click on our link on our homepage to schedule an appointment with one of our licensed tattoo artists artists who will uh, help you through the entire process. Um, You can come in with your own watch face already designed, or you can choose one of the many that we have had designed in-house by one of our artists. Fascinating. Yeah, what I I did look at, um, I, I saw some pictures of these, and there did seem to be some uh, there was a variety of, of different styles that that you can get. So, can you describe in sort of your what how, what kind of variety is there for somebody that that wants sort of maybe a, a a different style, a different color, uh, maybe what what um, what is the variety in in the styles of, of watch that you can you can get? There really is just an an endless variety. We have everything from a modern sort of minimalist look. Uh, mm to something more grotesque and eldritchian uh there there really is no limit to what what the watch face can look like uh and the ones that we have in house there's there's really quite a variety of them i think there's there's a watch face out there to suit everyone and if there isn't you're always welcome to design your own really you can you can design your own your own watch face. how does one go about doing that 
if you come in with a drawing uh, of your watch face, mm-hmm. we will be happy to recreate it for you right on your wrist. That is that is fascinating. Is there any um, sort of push for perhaps a more like a pocket watch style watch too, perhaps on the palm of the hand or um, somewhere else uh, easily accessible? Is that is that something that's in the works? Mm-hmm. That's actually already possible. The watch too will work wherever on the body you choose to put it. We find most users enjoy it maximally by having it in the standard wristwatch placement, but there is support for it to go anywhere on your body. Fascinating. How now? How I, I do have a, a few more questions. I, I know we're running short on time, but how, I I know the the ink is is proprietary and, and things like that. But where where does where do, where does the code come in how does how does the watch know when to when to tick where where is where is that being stored is there some sort of wireless connection with the ink or is there some sort of chip in the body or or something like that we do not insert any chips into the body mm-hmm. but beyond that i'm not at liberty to really discuss the inner workings of the watch too mm. uh there is nothing that is inserted into the body beyond our proprietary ink. And you don't need to worry about making sure that it continues to run. Fascinating. Is there no concern, perhaps, about um, internet trolls or hackers or, or you know, Russian yeah. bots sure. accessing the ink and, and doing this? I suppose my, other, my wider question is, is this something that is network-enabled or is it strictly local? And um, can it be? The Watch 2, as it is, is strictly local. We are oh, that's good to hear. looking into the mm. possibility of adding further capability with uh, networked or Bluetooth-connected devices. But at the moment, it is strictly local. Now, Tech Brothers is famously in the... In, in the hacker movement, we encourage everybody to use our technologies to the fullest extent, change them where they want them to. We, we open source a lot of our a lot of our technology and our APIs and our uh, our softwares. Is is there? And I, I don't want to I don't I don't want to claim that your company does does the, the same thing. But is there some way that once somebody has it, if I was to get a watch too, is there some way that I could somehow? change the UI after I've gotten it, gotten it inserted myself, maybe with my own needles or, or something like that? We do not offer any support for users to make uh, unlicensed modifications sure. or DIY their, their watch. Uh, if you do have changes you would like made to your watch too, just come by our office in Wicker Park. Uh, we are located right next to the Urban Outfitters, and we will be happy to help you with any modifications you need. And and how how do you do that? Do you do you put needles in them at the time? Like what do, what do you do to make these changes? We use our our proprietary process uh, with with the needles and our proprietary ink in order mm-hmm. to mo- make modifications. And what does it, this process entail? Um, co- it, Kai, I, yes. I, I do believe we are running out of time with um, uh, Itoli. Uh, so uh, where where could the listener perhaps get more information on the uh, on Watch 2 and the uh, developments and various aspects like that? Yeah, uh, you can find more information about Watch 2 on our website, watch2.com. That's 2 spelled T-O-O. Uh, you can also come into our office in Wicker Park. Uh, we are on Milwaukee Avenue, located right next to the Urban Outfitters. Yes, um, as as I've heard. So, so you can yeah, you can go to the Urban Outfitters, and as soon as you're done there, you can you can pop in to watch too. You can one could yes, one and could. We actually have when... we have watch faces that are designed to complement specific Urban Outfitters outfits. So you can really get your whole look matched. Now, is there is there a plan to team up? Maybe with the Urban Outfitter, maybe to make sure, like, have all their employees clock in on their on their cat and their watch twos or or something like that. We are in talks with Urban Outfitters about some partnerships, but at the moment, nothing official. Fascinating. Well, we are we are going to be in touch, Antoli. Thank you for all that wonderful information. Um, and of course, you could do this. This is a fascinating, uh, in depth 
in-depth talk about this this latest tattoo on uh, this latest this latest technology and how it's being used and and how it hopefully will uh, will change electronics in the future well thank you very much yeah thank you very much Tolle. thank you for having me but it's time that we uh, we finish up the show. It All is. Right? It is. Um, and and um, unfortunately, I totally didn't get a chance to get into it. But um, and this is actually where we heard about Watch Two in the first place. Mm. They have this wonderful Instagram page. They do have. I've seen some of the some of the pictures. The, these these cute hairless cats. Um, just. Um, with these watches tattooed all over them. You can tattoo. I mean, you, it seems like you can tattoo anything. Uh, anything at all, and and that and that is fascinating. I mean, the the freedoms. That this allows us is are truly endless. Are you are you considering um, getting in line for a watch too? Um, I, I I'm considering I'm considering, uh, yes, I am considering getting in line for a watch too. Possibly even bringing a few other, other devices, a few other skin samples, and seeing if they can sort of tattoo those as well, just for testing purposes. Maybe. Well, that's fair. That's very fair. Um, but yeah. Uh, I, be- I believe we do have a citizen science. For we today, we do have a citizen science. Um, this one um, comes from an anonymous source um, somewhere in the wider internet. <clears throat> food has a frequency. Mm. Ultra processed foods are between zero and five megahertz. Organic foods are between 50 and 160 megahertz. Superfoods and heirloom plants are 160 to 210 megahertz. Neutro medicinal substances like herbs, Irish moss, shalijit, and medicinal mushrooms are between 210 and 320 megahertz. Consuming these high-frequency substances have been regarded by yogis and monks as a way to raise your own frequency, which can result in heightened consciousness, vitality, higher thought forms, and stronger intuition. Now, I know that I am constantly trying to raise my thought form. Um, I, yeah, I mean, this this also brings up a very a very good question about. I, I know we talked about lower uh, whether, whether these are sort of wave or group uh group form uh frequencies whether whether the the waves are sort of traveling at, at specific waves or as packs of waves and how that might affect uh you know those thought forms and those and those you know wave frequencies and, and the ultimate ultimate vitality and consciousness that we hope to to improve with these thank you for that rowan uh, i'm going to close on a quote by femur gortok uh and they said this science is the unraveling of the yarn and the knitting of the sweater. Eureka Cast Now is meticulously researched, produced, and presented with the support of Tech Brothers New Media Labs in Chicago, Illinois. We are broadcast every Saturday evening, 8 to 9 p.m. Central Standard Time on WLPN LP 105.5 FM, Lumpen Radio, and rebroadcast every Monday from 8 to 9 p.m. on WIIT 88.9 FM, Chicago. If you'd like to get in contact with us, please follow us at EurekaCast on Twitter and Instagram, or visit our website at awcyfm.com slash EurekaCast. I believe we have, some, we have some other ways to get in contact with us, Ron. We do. If you engage in other forms of social media, please feel free to find us at facebook.com slash awcyfm, or send an electronic mail to awcyfm at gmail.com. There, you can share with us any technological, scientific, or spiritual breakthroughs you've witnessed or participated in. Additionally, if you or someone you know would like to be a guest on the program, such as our esteemed guest this evening, feel free to reach out at that email, which is once again, awcyfm at gmail.com. With that, Chicago, allow us here at Eureka Cast Now to give tender goodbyes to all of the awakened archetypes this evening. And all the watches.